Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select game Gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. If you're hearing this on the evening it comes out, then welcome to Thursday. <laughs> we we <laughs> like to do uh, we like to do a weekly segment here where we hear from our favorite part of the show you specifically you fellow conspiracy realists we're going to hear from quite a few of you today uh we're going to learn more about the follow-up conversation on donating one's body to science uh we are going to talk a little bit about uh you know we'll do like a dark prairie home companion just some nice letters from abroad uh, I do think we stirred up a little trouble in Australia. We're learning a lot about uh, learning a lot about bogans. Uh, but before we do any of that, Matt, uh, we got this great email regarding propaganda. We did. I'm going to tell you about that email in just one moment after putting something on the record, guys. Today, Friday, June 30th, as we're recording this episode, this podcast is number one on the society and culture charts on Apple Podcasts. And guess who's number two? That sounds like some stuff you should know. 
Yes. Ha-ha! <laughs> we We're the finally stuff. made it, boys. <laughs> the stuff is controlling the Apple charts, and our big bros over at Stuff You Should Know are number two. I wanted you guys to know I texted Josh with an image of it, and uh, his response was, Nicely done, guys, you SOBs. <laughs> <laughs> Still holding strong a day later. I was surprised. Usually yes. those those chart pops are kind of a flash in the pan, but let's see if we can hold on to that uh, that title. We just wanted to take a moment to thank everybody for listening. If you are listening right now, hopefully, hopefully that's what's happening. Uh, if you have a moment, please head on over to Apple and give us a review. Uh, you don't have to spend a lot of time; just a quick one. Just let us know what you think about the show. It would mean a great deal to us. Okay, well, somebody who wrote to us and let us know what they think and has a really great idea is. Suspended Beliefs. Suspended Beliefs writes, Dear Conspirators, my girlfriend recently got me into your show, and I'm a fan, but I've not listened to every episode yet. No shame in that. Suspended Beliefs. Please forgive me if you've already covered this. I would love for you to do an episode or two on Gustave Le Bon's The Crowd, A Study of the Popular Mind from 1895. This book is like patient zero of 20th century propaganda. Teddy Roosevelt, Edward Bernays, and Joseph Goebbels all read and quoted it. Le Bon not only insightfully described many of the traits of groups, but almost created a blueprint of how to become a demagogue. Le Bon is one of the first to analyze the intellect of groups as separate and almost beyond comparability to the individual's intellects, as opposed to simply seeing individuals in a group as having a reduced intelligence. He describes and analyzes groupthink almost 60 years before the term is coined. I might hope that if enough people read this book, it could inoculate humans to manipulation, but I'm certain it already helped infect society with the propagandists that your show seems to aim to expose. Disclaimer, the book is xenophobic and supports manifest destiny. The book is evil, and I would only recommend it to skeptically or highly critical readers. Hope it fuels your contemplation, and thank you for informing me on many subjects. Best regards, Suspended Beliefs. Mm. There's a quote. Can we do a Le Bon quote? Is that okay? Yeah. It's a nice one. Quote, the leaders we speak of are usually men of action rather than of words. They are not gifted with keen foresight. They are especially recruited from the ranks of those morbidly nervous, excitable, half-deranged persons who are bordering on madness. That is who Laban argues is in charge of um, groupthink, of the collective, what do you call it, the psychological crowd. Mm -hmm. This is, the, and this guy is pre Bernays, right? Yes. Uh, eight, again, this book is published in 1895, and then it was put to English the next year in 1896. It is kind of interesting how much advertising has in common with propaganda. I mean, they're really playing out of the same rule book, you know. It's just like propaganda for a thing that you buy instead of like an idea. But sometimes it is an idea. Sometimes you buy into the idea, you know, just as much as you do like a product. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah, that's, that's really an interesting parallel, Matt. The whole thing is tremendously fascinating. We've covered it a lot on this show. Edward Bernays is one of the first individuals that we ever talked about as being, you know, highly influential when it comes to these things. You can check out, I think it might have been one of the first episodes of the podcast. It was certainly one of the first episodes the first of the video. Thing. Wasn't mm -hmm. it the first? Yeah, it was, you're absolutely right. It was like top, top three, first, first three for sure. Mm -hmm. 
And and again, this is somebody, Laban, who influenced Bernays' thinking. And uh, even Sigmund Freud was influenced by, by this person's writing. Uh, I think it's worth a deep dive on our end to really get into this, uh, to actually read the book. It's only 130 pages, guys. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we, we can get through it pretty quickly. Um, but goodness, it is pretty terrifying. Let's just give a quick outline of some of the chapters here. Uh, book one, or like really chapter one, is titled The Mind of Crowds. It gets into how crowds function. And again, in this case, I think the author is talking about just large gatherings of people when we're talking about a crowd. And they're talking about the power an individual feels when inside a crowd. The feeling of an ability to do things you wouldn't normally do if you were just yourself standing, you know, in the street rather than with a hundred or a thousand other people. Uh, It gets into the reasoning abilities of a person who is being influenced by a bunch of others around them. And even the what the ethics or the morals of an individual person. So it is really, I don't know. It's creepy to me to analyze it in that way and maybe to put some of these ideas down on paper because really it seems the aim of this book is to tell the reader how to manipulate that group into doing what you want them to do. Really speaks to politics to me. I found it interesting that you mentioned that Freud was also inspired or influenced by this book. Um, Kind of, I mean, I guess maybe Freud... Has always had some slightly problematic parts of his, you know, philosophy. Maybe haven't aged super well, but I guess I never really thought of him as trying to manipulate people exactly. I thought he was more seeking to kind of understand how the mind works. But can you can you kind of give me give a little more insight into what parts of this thinking might have influenced someone like Freud, who you maybe wouldn't associate with this kind of thing? Well, you know, I don't know for sure, Noel. I think part of it goes back to. Laban's discussions of the instincts a person feels and acts upon when when part of a crowd, almost that subconscious moving with the flow kind of thing that occurs. Got uh, it. This is from the book, quote, by the mere fact that he forms part of an organized crowd, a man descends several rungs in the ladder of civilization. Now, interesting, you know, way to put that, right? Yes. Probably, sure. uh, <laughs> a person is brilliant. A crowd is Yes. A person is brilliant. People are stupid. That's essentially, here we go. Let's keep going. Isolated, he may be a cultivated individual. In a crowd, he is a barbarian. That is, a creature acting by instinct. He possesses the spontaneity, the violence, the ferocity, and the enthusiasm and heroism of primitive beings. Mm. Got it. If if I'm understanding this correctly, too, uh, Laban, despite, you know, the xenophobia, which is a real a really great point uh, there. Uh, Laban says there are three key elements that become dangerous in this kind of group think. And the first, like you pointed out, Matt, is anonymity, similar to being a commentator on an online forum. You're anonymous. Uh, second, he shouts out what he calls contagion, the idea that this group think is somehow communicable, right? So he's tend to go with the flow and three suggestibility. That's why when you're in a crowd or that's, that's why like uh, every pitchfork scene in a movie starts with someone saying, burn them. 
and then everybody mm-hmm. else standing there because they are a part of an amorphous crowd. They just yes and it. You yeah, know? I, I think Laban is talking about when improv goes wrong. Kind of. Oh no, you're yeah. Uh, I'm going to continue quote just a little more because it speaks to what you're talking about here, Ben. It says he allows himself to be impressed by words and images, which would be entirely without action on each of the isolated individuals composing the crowd and to be induced to commit acts contrary to his most obvious interests and his best known habits. That is really interesting, right? Because that's something we have seen, especially in Western politics, where somehow Politicians can get in there and get you as the individual when acting as a, you know, as a voting public to act against your own best interests, right? Mm. No matter who you're voting for, no matter what the thing it is that you believe, there's probably something in there that you are voting for actively or fighting for actively that is against your own best interests. Oh, sure. It is in the politician's best interest to obfuscate a lot of those things and like have it be you know create like a a rhetorical sort of scenario that allows people to say yes that's the guy because they're giving me someone to hate they're giving me someone to like you know other and sort of think of as like my enemy when oftentimes the politician themselves are your enemy and are working actively against your best interest but they're sort of tricking you into thinking like this is how Hitler sort of succeeded you know he's he kind of subsumed power by convincing people that there were these other people at fault with other people to blame but then he was actively working against their best interests too at least like the working class type folks you know well yeah and it even gets into our our individual economic habits but they're actually a group action that we're taking like do i actually need a 1400 dollar phone right do i actually need that or a device with a special operating system a specific one because everybody I know and that I see online has that that very expensive phone with that operating system so that when I send text messages, they're all the same color. Like, how much are we being influenced with these group things that we feel we're a part of and acting against our own individual interests? I, I don't know. I think it expands the whole board here, guys. A million percent, dude. That's fascinating stuff. And some people are able to live outside of those, you know, constructs. Like I have a really, really good old friend who still has a flip phone. He refuses to to get that twelve hundred dollar phone, not because he can't afford it, just because he does not want to participate in that group think. Yeah, he actively, you know, uh, pushes it away and so doesn't want to be a part of it. Not like he's some contrarian, you know. He just has his own kind of moral code, his own set of like individualistic kind of principles, and he doesn't want to be a part of that. But there is a point though where if you don't become part of that, you get left behind, and then you kind of get cast out, and you can't participate you know in society it's interesting you know it's it's a trap certainly feels that way to me let us know what you think we'll tell you how to contact us right at the end of this episode but for now we're going to take a quick break hear a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back as someone who lives for politics when a major scandal unfolds it was shocking i have to know what were they thinking Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. 
Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. And we're back uh, with more messages from you. Yes, you, the public. All you conspiracy realists out there. Uh, and again, to mirror what Matt said, thanks uh, from the bottom of all of our hearts for supporting the show, for writing in, for helping us uh, get the word out there and telling your friends and converting others into conspiracy realists. We, we really appreciate it more than you know. And we really appreciate this message from Anonymous. Uh, and to that point, if you ever write into us and you want us to not use your name, we're all about it. You know, we're all about anonymity of the crowd uh, in, in, the, in a positive way in this case. Uh, but this message refers to a recent Strange News episode we did. I believe it was a story that I brought about uh, Harvard Medical School um, employee or morgue manager uh, selling body parts uh, to like. Curio shop. Okay, maybe curio is the wrong word. Oddity shops, like places uh, that maybe their stock and trade is things like human skulls or mummified remains and things like that. And it uh, turns out that there are some really shady ways that people acquire some of these uh, types of items. Case in point, this Harvard Medical School scandal. Um, but this listener writes in and has a really interesting perspective on how donating your body to science actually works, the nuts and bolts of it all. So here we go. I was appalled by the strange news segment about a Harvard Medical School employee selling parts of donated bodies. My mother decided many years before her death to donate her body to the School of Medicine, University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi. She had a signed agreement with the school. In 2000, she spent her final days in a hospital in another part of the state. We had made sure the hospital staff had a copy of the body donation agreement. It was the family's responsibility to call UMMC 
as soon as she was declared dead. UMMC sent a van immediately to pick up the body. Obviously, the body must be received as soon as possible after death so it can be preserved for medical students to study. About two years later, when they were ready to cremate her remains, they offered to send the cremains to the family, or UMMC could inter the cremains in a cemetery at the school. Uh, throughout the process, I received several updates from the medical school, all expressing deep gratitude and assurances that the body was being treated with respect and dignity by the staff and students. UMMC holds an annual celebration for families uh, of those who had been uh, donors. And then she links to an article describing one of these ceremonies. Um, body donation to science is so important and admirable. I can only hope that UMMC or any other medical school has done nothing like the atrocity at Harvard and that the indicated assholes get major prison time and humongous monetary penalties. Hmm. And maybe a mandate that they donate their own bodies to the school. By the way, I don't know what percentage of your audience demographic are elderly liberal Democrats in the Deep South, but I, as a 71-year-old one, enjoy your intelligent and thought-provoking podcast immensely. I can't imagine you would need to use any of this in listener mail. Wrong. But just in case, I gave you permission to do so, which please don't use my name. There you go. What a lovely email. I just, it just made me smile um, because it's obviously it's referring to something very... Very bad, very nasty, you know, all the business at Harvard and the absolute betrayal of trust, you know, to an individual who has chosen, you know, to, to have their remains donated for a certain use and then to have that trust completely betrayed and to, to, to imagine a loved one of yours having a hand or a skull or whatever it might be end up in somebody's display case, you know, that's just ugh, awful. But I had no idea. I don't know about y'all. But any of the, the details around this, like the idea that, you know, once the body has been used for its intended purpose, they cremate it and they will send it to you. And this idea of this uh, annual celebration that they hold, I just think it's it's called a ceremony of Thanksgiving. Roll call of heroes honors body donors at UMMC. Um, and it's just a really lovely little gathering of folks kind of in a little wooded area of the campus. And um, it's just, I don't know. Uh, it, this kind of gave me some feels, guys. I don't know what, what, how this hit you. Well, it's great. I remember when we did our Body Brokers episode, we had a, a pretty big outpouring of people who you know went to medical school who talked about this very thing about really venerating those who have given their bodies and that they you know themselves personally had gotten to learn from. And I know, I know there's other schools that do things similar to this. This just feels like a particularly nice one. Mm -hmm. It's really, I don't know, it's really good. Yeah, you know, and it's it's neat, too, that it's secular, you know? Like, I mean, it, not that I need it to be secular, but I do think that there is a way of honoring the dead that isn't necessarily connected with any kind of religion. You know, it's just more literally like we're honoring what you've provided. You know, to have your body be of service, you know, to uh, a field, you know, to, to the medical profession, to act, potentially help with advances in medicine, to potentially help with training young doctors. I just think that's a really cool way of, uh, you know, honoring someone's life and honoring their actual body because it does have use. I've, I've always been a little, I mean, again, no shade on anybody's choice on how they want to be treated when, when they pass or, or a family member. But I've always personally struggled with the idea of embalming and, and you know, having, you know, this kind of facade of, of what a person used to be sort of displayed. Like this honestly has made me 
truly consider, not even consider, I, I want to figure out how to do it, to do this for myself. You know, I just think it's such a, such a cool thing to do, you know, and, and it's like, why shouldn't we be useful after we pass? Yeah, this seems like a really good way to be, to, to pass it down. There's something that, that's stated in this article that was shared by our anonymous person here. And sorry, apparently Meadow, my dog, um, just talking about it being a family tradition to donate one's body, something that's like it gets started at some point and then down the line um, as other family members age and maybe pass. They really do choose like this is what we're going to do. We're going to honor this family tradition by donating our bodies to a particular medical school because this school helped out. Either someone in our family who was diagnosed with an illness and this medical school helped them out. Uh, so now we're, this is our way of giving back. I love that. I think that's a very, I don't know, we're, we're, we're just talking with Paco about collective action. This feels like, a, I don't know, a traditional action? I don't know what you'd call it, but it's just a really good way to help support continued education. Yeah, Ben, you know, it, it reminds me, too, of, like, we talk so much about resurrection men and some of the real shady ways that bodies have, were acquired, you know, for, for medical science. And and this, I don't know what you think, but to me, this feels like uh, just kind of the most open, positive version of that, you know, that, that had been so shadowy and kind of gross in, in, in history. Yeah, I want to thank you, Anonymous, uh, for for sharing your story with our fellow conspiracy realist. And thank you to Matt also for pointing out our Body Brokers episode, which is an in-depth look at many of the many of the problems described. Uh, one thing that is tremendously inspiring and beautiful about, about your experience, Anonymous, is that people need that sort of community that sort and when i say community i don't just mean like a laban group of people i mean um the concept of an intergenerational community something that came before you and continues when you yourself are gone because we have to remember the most uh stunning and heartbreaking part of the body brokers conspiracies is that they are preying on people in the most vulnerable moment of their lives. So thank you again, Anonymous, for sharing your story. And here's hoping, to Matt's point, that more people follow suit. Also, just as, you know, um, having lost uh, a loved one in, in recent years, um, being an only child, the business of death can be very challenging and uh, you're in this really vulnerable moment and you have to figure things out. You either have to get to decide, you know, okay, am I going to cremate? Am I going to embalm? What, what do I want to do? And to me, and even cremating costs like $2,000 or something like that, you know, like you have to pay for the service and, um, you know, pay for a vessel and all of that stuff. And I have to imagine that this is is kind of like donating your car to NPR. <laughs> I know that sounds messed up, but it's like it would take some of the burden off. In addition to being an amazing service, it's probably a way where you are providing this service and they're coming and picking up the, the, the body and then they're providing the cremation a little bit delayed, but they're doing it. So if anyone also was worried or struggling or maybe it was a monetary thing this would be not only a positive way to to do some good but also i hate to put it in terms of like saving a buck but like it is 
I think it's really interesting that this is a big relief, could be a big relief to folks, you know, to have that assistance in a time where, you know, there's a lot going on emotionally. For sure. But I know some religions would be would be opposed to this, would be opposed to remains being used in this way. So I know that's complicated too. And it's obviously up to every individual and, and their and their personal beliefs. But you know, from where I stand, this seems great. Agreed. Well, uh, thanks again, Anonymous. Uh, and thanks for the kind words about the show, too. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with one more piece of listener mail. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Psych. We're back. We psyched you out. It's not just one more piece of listener mail. Uh, we enjoy the listener mail segment we do every week so much that uh, we wanted to spend some time just with some, think of it like letters from home, you know, letters from, from the dark, uh, letters from the void, uh, just so many nice messages, so many insightful words from experts, uh, so many people on air or off, sharing their experiences. So, fellas, I was thinking we could just go through a couple of those really quickly, like the ones that we 
the ones that might not necessarily ask us to create an episode, but the ones that just sort of want to share their stories. How does that sound? Lovely. I think it's perfectly in keeping with the, with the vibe of the show today. Great idea. So uh, our first one, I, I teased this at the top of, you know, we kind of started this beef uh, in the continent of Australia. Uh, we, we accidentally or purposely uh, promoted some stereotypes, uh, all in good fun. Uh, we received a letter recently from Savory, and Savory says, Afternoon, gents. Just finished listening to your most recent podcast and driving in the southern state of New South Wales and Australia. You asked us uh, what we call the supposedly rich people of Perth. They are called Cubs. And Cubs here is an acronym. It stands for Cashed Up Bogans. Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we're getting deep into the lingo here. The majority of money is made from dragging stuff from the ground, but I'm sure a lot of their intelligence is left down in there with it. Hey-oh, if you come and do a tour of Australia, make sure you hit up Milton Theater down near, forgive me, Aussies, Ulladulla. In New South Wales, U-L-L-A-D-U-L-L-A. We'd love to have you. Uh, I'll take you out for a coffee. And then Savory also sends a fascinating video clip that I, I, I kind of want us to save for uh, for another evening. Uh, I mainly, mainly I'm sharing this because I can't believe we're learning so much about Australia. Uh, you guys remember what bogans are, right? Mm, it's vaguely ringing a bell, but I think I need a, a crash course. Type of Pokemon? <laughs> some sort of spooky ghost, a troll of some sort? A bogan is similar to the UK version of a chav, or here in the US, it's somewhat analogous to a redneck. I'm not sure entirely. So I do think we need to get with accounting and make sure there's an Australia trip in the budget. That'll be easy, right? It. It's just like an email we send. Yep. Oh, for sure. There's got to be. A, there's got to be a person for that. <laughs> and so, so thank you, Savory. Uh, moving to Twitter, we had some. We have a lot of people holding great conversations on Twitter, and sometimes these conversations get really powerful. And in one instance, uh, we had our pal Becca over on Twitter saying, I'm just catching up on last week's listener mail segment of stuff they don't want you to know regarding addiction and mental health. It often comes down to trauma. Trauma, especially in childhood, rewires the brain in such a way that connection with people can be very difficult. This was fascinating to me. I hadn't thought about this. Addiction replaces this connection. It's the total opposite of being connected in secure relationships. The substance can be trusted, constant, comforting. All the things a healthy brain gets from relationships. Our prisons are full of traumatized people. I work with children and think about this stuff every day. Just imagine how the world could be if we treated traumatized people completely differently. What do you guys think about that idea? The idea of um, trauma and addiction. That's interesting. I mean, it's like, you know, you always hear people that have been through difficult situations or or maybe people that have been through traumatic experiences. Perhaps they've, you know, lost a loved one or a child or something like that. And I think there's there's a sense that they don't want to be treated different. 
You know, they like they find that they resent that in some way. The idea that someone is constantly tiptoeing around them or, or like, you know, worrying they're going to say the wrong thing. And I think that can be sensed, you know, but I think there are kind ways and empathetic ways that you can treat people that don't highlight their trauma. That, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess we should just treat everybody with respect and kindness. I don't really know. I don't really have an answer. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of talking through this out loud. No, you'll get no answers from me. I, I don't know. <laughs> I can't believe we're not immediately solving the problems of trauma, addiction, and humanity's inherent inhumanity towards itself. <sighs> God, Laban is stuck in my head now, Matt. <laughs> I love you. that song. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I, I would consider myself addicted to video games. And I think mm-hmm. one of the main reasons that I feel addicted to those and why I use it as an addiction is because it puts me in a mind space where I don't have to think about some of the things that maybe I would call correctly or incorrectly uh, trauma, you know, in my life. Sure, but escapism maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I have anything helpful to say there. And Ben, I mean, trauma is a pretty broad term, Mm -hmm. right? Like you don't have to have, you know, had your entire family burn up in a fire to be considered a trauma victim. It can be something much more subtle than that. You know, I mean, trauma is is an individualistic experience. I don't know that there's like a scale for it, right? I believe there's a very valid case to be made that existence is inherently traumatic. Sure. You know what I mean? (laughs) No joke. It's a lot of people's first time. So this, uh, this leads us unexpectedly into some deep water. Not to mention things like collective trauma, COVID. You know, I mean, the entire world experienced a, a shared trauma, you know, um, and it's, it's going to affect people differently. I think, you know, we, we talked about all the addiction issues that, that, that formed around COVID, you know, and, and all of the, the upticks and overdoses and upticks in people forming new addictions and things like that. Because, again, addiction, to your point, Matt, is often a way of dealing with trauma to blot out those things, those bad thoughts and those ruminations, those cyclical ways of thinking. So technically, I mean, yeah, we're all sharing in a collective trauma around things like 9-11, you know, I mean, just like national traumatic events and they leave scars no question about it would love to hear from you folks uh especially got a lot of people tuning in tonight who are experts in the fields of medicine and in the fields of psychology uh, and related disciplines would love to hear your thoughts on groupthink and intergenerational trauma because the effects of events do continue long after we're gone, which is another great part of the conversation we had with uh, Paco de Leon. Uh, check out the show Weird Finance. Uh, wanted to pivot, as they say in corporate America, to something we mentioned briefly in, um, I can't remember if it was an episode or if it was a strange news segment uh, or listener mail segment, but we talked about big data and we talked about cars very briefly. I can't remember how we got there, uh, but there's this fantastic letter we received from Kurt who says, yes, you can always use anything I say on the podcast. You've opened a dangerous door, my friend. Uh, Kurt says, hey guys, it's me again. 
thought this story was in line with previous discussions regarding digital and physical privacy. It seems our cars, like our other electronics, are leaking our information. Surely law enforcement can get access to these records, and it's just yet another way of tracking people. And here, Kurt hips us to a wonderful article by Matt Burgess over at Wired, titled, How Your New Car Tracks You. Vehicles from Toyota, Honda, Ford, and more can collect huge volumes of data. Here's what these companies can access. And reading this and digging into it, even if you're not a car person, it is it is stunning. We've come a long, long way from the old days of, oh, how do they depict it in fiction? You know, like someone sneaks over and attaches a black box to the wheel well of a car or whatever, and they're they're tracking them. Uh, we have gone much, much further than that as a society. Right now, cars can track, of course, where you're traveling to and from because you have a cell phone. Uh, they can also record every press on an accelerator or brake, as well as your seatbelt settings. They can get biometric information about you. Ah, I, I, I don't know. For a lot of people, commuters especially, they've seen their time in transit as private personal time, right? For a lot of people, with families who commute to work, that 30 minutes to an hour and a half in the car every day is the only time alone they have. Mm. Isn't that kind of an illusion, though? I mean, you're in public. You're, you're on public roads, publicly maintained infrastructure. There are, you know, cameras that can capture your license plate, you know, at any time. I, I thought it was super weird. I went to Florida recently and, you know, all these tolls, you don't have to stop because they just snap your, your license plate. And then you get a bill in the mail, like, you know, a couple months later. Uh, I thought that was really weird and invasive feeling, you know, but that's just kind of how the world works. But I, I guess my question or my point is like, isn't that illusion of anonymity and, uh, and privacy kind of hasn't always been people can always look through your window unless you have tinted windows or, you know, you're always subject to being pulled over by the police. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I keep saying it guys, we don't have enough forward facing cameras in our lives. We need more things that just have a forward facing camera that looks at you at all times when you're doing stuff like right now, when we're recording this podcast or when you're looking at your phone or when I open my refrigerator or, Okay, I'm just joking. Let's make every let's make <laughs> everything smart and camera enabled. We need your shoes to have cameras in them so they can see the bottom of your socks. Oh, okay. I was thinking just upwards so you get like this real interesting almost 360 dual 360 degree camera action. Uh, yeah, <laughs> everybody looks like a kaiju now yeah, right, from that yeah. angle. So, this is this leads us to something we need to shout out. There is a automotive firm called Privacy Four Number Four Cars, like cars for kids, but not with an evil jingle. Privacy Four Cars released this thing in May called the Vehicle Privacy Report. If you live in the United States and you know someone who uses a car, you need to know about this. Uh, and thank you again, Kurt. This is, um, this is a very important thing to hip us to. 
The vehicle privacy report will reveal how much information on your car can be hoovered up by someone and distributed to someone else, usually for financial gain. Uh, It shows it's kind of like how online services like Google will show you how Facebook might use your camera to your point, Matt, uh, or how Uber will leverage your location data or how those uh, delivery things like Uber Eats and DoorDash will uh, start predicting your likelihood of ordering based on time of day. So our pals over at Wired, they ran 10 of the most popular car models in the United States through this privacy for cars tool. And what they found was stunning. Cars apparently today produce 25 gigabytes of data per hour. It's all about you. And uh, <laughs> it's got a wild west. Wait, there wait. Are really no rules. 25 gigabytes of data per per hour? Yeah. That's so, and that's, I'm so sorry, Ben. I, I didn't, I wasn't spacing. I was listening. It just, it got muddled in my head. How many cars is that? That is a single car. God. Uh, yeah. And that's referencing a Washington Post article by Jeffrey A. Fowler. What does your car know about you? We hacked a Chevy to find out. Guess what? <laughs> that was written in 2019. No, Jeez. no. So, so that, that would include like data of like streaming music, for example, right? That, that, that's, that would maybe contribute to that number. Yeah, of course, very easily because, again, in a smart, uh, in a smart car, everything is interconnected. This mm-hmm. vehicle privacy report, repost the link. We should put the link on Twitter as well. Uh, it uses your car's VIN vehicle identification number, and then it looks at the manufacturer's policy documents surrounding things like privacy, because there's a lot you can get. It's just boring, and it's kind of difficult to find it. The results only apply in the United States, but they are absolutely stunning. Broadly speaking, here's the big takeaway before we wrap up. All the automotive manufacturers are going to desire personal information that could be classified as an identifier. They have a great appetite for your name, your address, driver's license number, those sound normal, phone number, email, other information like how often you speed, what directions do you travel in? You know what I mean? When are you Mm. most likely to be at home? When are you most likely to be at work? These kind of things. It, It, There was a precedent set already, you know, a lot of private insurance companies would offer people a discount on their monthly premiums if they agreed to being tracked because that creates another revenue stream. Yeah, I just uh, I just got asked that pretty recently if I'd like to just, you know, join in and and get some money back. Uh, No, 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 no. I have that for my homeowner's insurance. They offer a kit that they like it's not a security system exactly it's just a kit with sensors quote unquote so i guess it allows them to like monitor their investment you know what i mean but to your point it seems innocuous when they offer it you're like ooh i can save a little money on my on my uh, my homeowner's insurance but it really is kind of it's it's surveillance isn't it that's what it is it's not mince words 
Maybe I'll, I haven't actually gotten the thing yet. Maybe I'll cancel that part. Just pay a little more. Probably <laughs> worth it to pay a little more, you know? The three great currencies of the coming age are going to be privacy <laughs> in the, uh, in the uh, current uh, modern iteration. Privacy, personal time, and probably water, potable water, which is just a fancy way of saying drinkable water. Anyhow. We are going to call it an evening. We've started many conversations that we are going to follow up on. And we need your help, folks. Let us know about your experiences in the body broker industry. Let us know what your car collects about you. And if you want to be part of the show, we can't wait to have you on the air. We try to be easy to find online. We do. Uh, I think we succeed mainly. You can find us at the Handle Conspiracy Stuff, where we exist on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Check out all of those sources, especially uh, YouTube, for new content relating to the stuff we talk about here on the show. Some of which is uh, delightful and, and goofy and give you a chance to, to make fun of our silly faces. Uh, you can also find us at the Handle Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok, where more of those videos reside. Our book is still available if you want to find it. It's titled Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. Pretty easy. You can find it out there. It's got our names on it. Ben, Matt, and Noel. If you don't want to do that stuff, you can instead call our phone number. 1-833-STDWYTK. It's a voicemail system. You've got three minutes. Give yourself a cool nickname and say whatever you'd like. Just please remember to tell us whether or not we can use your name and voice on one of our listener mail episodes. If you got more to say than can fit in that three minutes, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. 
Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.